If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you think marching on Washington is going to save you, if you think uh, these Jericho marches are going to stop the lockdowns, I'm sorry. I got another thing to tell you. They're not, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop until you stop them. And the Jericho marches are nice. Good evening. Mike here with Restoring the Faith. I've got callers who are going to call in. I've got one on the line right now, good friend Patrick Trad, who's on the line. He's going to talk. I told you back in September that they were going to lock us down. I told you it was coming. I hoped I was wrong. I told you I hoped I was wrong. I did multiple shows about it. I lined it up. They went out of their way to silence all the good priests in, ex- in, in uh, advance of this lockdown. The last thing they want when you are kneeling before your television set, the last thing they want is for you to have access to real, solid, orthodox preaching. So they took the good priests... Father Nolan, for example, Father Altman, another example, and they muzzled them. And why did they muzzle them? Well, my contention back in September was that the only reason why they would be muzzling these priests is to prevent you from hearing their voices when they lock the church down again. Now, I walked through in the, in the initial one, I walked through why I thought the church would lock down again. I didn't foresee that we were headed for a contested election, not a prophet, didn't have a dream about it. This is just pure logic. We're not using Protestant logic here, Protestant feelings. This is hardcore Catholic logic. First of all, the Catholic Church took $3.5 billion from you, the taxpayer, from you, in exchange for doing nothing, in exchange for shutting their doors. That's a pretty high margin. Imagine being paid to do nothing. Imagine being paid to sit at home. Tonight on Friday the 13th, it always happens, ladies and gentlemen, it always happens on a Friday night. It's like a Friday night massacre. This whole COVID thing, all the major muscle movements have been on Friday nights from the beginning back in February and March when Joseph and I were live almost every Friday night watching as diocese by diocese fell like dominoes. And here we are again on a Friday night. I have no visual presentation to share with you. I didn't prepare slides or visuals or anything. I've got callers. I'm going to take your questions. But once again, the intuition strikes. 
and I can't sit here in good conscience and eat my cheese pizza with my, fri- with my family, which is what Trad Patrick is doing right now as well. I can't sit here and eat my cheese pizza on a Friday night and not warn you that there's no toilet paper on the shelves. People are clearing things out. I got reports from the center of the country, people going to Sam's Club, Costco. Supplies are dwindling. Truckers are going to go on strike. YouTube had an unexplained two-hour outage this week, the kill switch. The lockdown is coming, ladies and gentlemen. New York to L.A. and everywhere in between, it is happening. Anecdotally, I know somebody who's in touch with with a bishop in the Midwest who was told by the bishop a month ago, yeah, you might want to get those altars, those home altars built because the lockdown is coming. Tonight, on Friday night, Friday the 13th, you see St. Louis locking down, parts of Texas locking down. Of course the liberals are, are, are gleeful. Chicago, the little Beetlejuice mayor in Chicago, and Pat, I'm going to bring you in here in a second. The Beetlejuice mayor in Chicago holding victory rallies where she's shouting into a megaphone, Nobody's social distancing. Some people aren't wearing masks. Just days after that, Chicago goes into one of the most extreme lockdowns in the country. My question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is how do you think your clerics are going to react? Are they going to stand up to the little Fauchists? I know where I live in the center of the country. We caved along with everybody else. My question is, ladies and gentlemen... Are your bishops going to cave? Are your priests going to cave? Let me bring in uh, Patrick here. Pat, how you doing, brother? How are you? I should even ask how you doing. There you know. <laughs> um, what are you seeing? I, I agree with what you just said in your monologue, hundred uh, percent. Honestly, I, I don't see many of the bishops. I don't see many of the priests. Uh, at least in the Novus Ordo world, uh, ready to fight back. Uh, I do see them ready to go into lockdown. We see Pope Francis congratulating, uh, you know, President Elect Biden. So I mean, he's he's already canceled. He's already canceled midnight mass. Yep. Uh, oh, you're right. He ca- he canceled midnight mass seventy five days before Christmas. How how in October do you know that you're not going to have midnight mass? Uh, he, he canceled it, and then he went and did the the photo shoot International Bay of Prayer or whatever you call that uh, that thing. And there was no social distancing there; they they were right on top of each other in, in that thing. And uh, he's also doing this month uh, the economic forum. So obviously, those things are more important than the faith. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. I want to read a series of tweets from the health department in Kansas City, Missouri. This one hits close to home. It's near the heart of America. I want to read a series of tweets that the health department just came out with today, on Friday night, in lockstep with their twin city on the other side of Missouri, St. Louis. It says, quote, To help our residents stay connected while limiting the threat of large outbreaks, 
We ask everyone to identify a small group under 10 people that you come into regular contact with. That could be your family, perhaps your, another household that you regularly interact with. It could be close friends or colleagues. We ask that you limit your personal interactions to this group. When you see members of your group, please continue to social distance, wear masks, and have members of your group get tests. If any of them test positive, that person must alert everyone in the group immediately so that they can quarantine and get the test. Report these groups. Guys, are, 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 you, are you seeing what's coming down the pike here when AOC and Keith Oberman suggest that we should have lists, lists of Trump supporters, lists of people? And now local health departments, Pat, if you're still with me, are, 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 are turning to these Stalinist pa- tactics where they want to know who your friends are. They want to know. They want to know who everybody is. They want to first of, they want to end not only uh, the secular holiday of, of Thanksgiving. They want to end the the religious holiday of Christmas. They want to tell you, you know, not to celebrate. They want to tell you not to go out to the store to buy uh, a tree or whatever else. Uh, you know, it's it's never ending, and I think a lot of people don't see. Uh, they don't readily see what this is. That that this is, you know. It was a happy accident that they were more than happy to exploit. Mm-hmm. And to, mm-hmm. to a large degree, I mean, I, you got to kind of blame some of this on Trump because he was the president when it came out. He could have said, look, you know what? All, all evidence we have, it's a bad flu. Are people going to die from it? Yes, people die from the flu. People die from the common cold. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't uh, put ourselves in a, in a, in a situation of yeah. uh, hiding from everything, and he right. didn't do that. He logged in with the masks. He logged in with everything else, and he says, "You know what? This is what we're going to do." And so, what's coming next? Next is coming the card. You know, they're already saying in Finland that you can't travel unless you have a card that states that you have had uh, this particular shot. That's exactly right. But- That's exactly right. Finland is leading the world. They're talking about having your COVID identification card. Brother Martin Navarro joins us by phone as well. Welcome, brother. How are you? Doing well. How are you, Mike? Hey, thanks for joining. This is going to be an ecclesiastical problem. And the purpose of this show is not to say, sit here and say, oh, I told you so. Back in September, I told you it was going to lock down. I did. In fact, I told you so. And nobody believed me. Some people believe me. My close friends didn't even believe me. They, th- they thought I was crazy. But here we are. The Pope has canceled Mass. And lo and behold, although Pfizer knew that the supposed vaccine was 90% effective, weeks, if not a month before the election, lo and behold, a couple days after the election, they announce that suddenly there is a vaccine And that that vaccine is going to become necessary, ladies and gentlemen. Both sides of the political aisle have stated it. Brother, my question to you first is, do you think that in the brave new COVID world, 1984, we are going to see bishops require you to get the vaccine before entering churches? It's not impossible. In fact, it's very plausible. I think... uh They'll even try to 
sugarcoat it or just, you know spread some peanut butter over it to make it Say, okay. say that again, brother. We uh, we lost oh, you for a second. All right, hi. Um, all I heard, all I heard was peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so to make it more digestible, more palatable, mm-hmm. uh, they'll, they'll, they'll sugarcoat it. I think the church has been trying to, um, I guess, mesh together, unite a, a secular ethic with its own morality, saying basically the, the secular ethics and Christian morality are basically 99.9% in line with every, everything. So it, the only thing different is, is the terms that we use. Um, and I think this is one way um, or that they'll try to do it again or, mm-hmm. or, or try to push push that narrative, mm-hmm. uh, saying that taking this vaccine is, is the morally good choice to make. It's the love of neighbor. Um, and, and going from there. Uh, basically uniting government, the new world order with, with the hierarchy in the church. Why I, uh, the, the church would want to do that, I have no idea, especially people in power. Because, I mean, in one sense, it'd be the church handing over its authority to, to a secular government. The bishops would become irrelevant if they're not irrelevant already. Or already. Well, this is one of the things, this, this is one of the things, brother, that Joseph and I said back in March. We were so, we were so shocked. We were scandalized by the fact Remember when non-essential personnel, non-essential personnel had to stay home and all these bishops lined up, including the, the supposedly conservative ones, and declared themselves to be non-essential. They said, we're not essential. We're not essential. We can stay yeah. home. We can shut down. Turns out there was a bailout associated with their compliance. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, actually, back 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 then, I was actually kicked out of my own monastery because I was uh, during a retreat uh, during the whole lockdown. And when I came back, my my own brother said, "Hey, you have to social distance for two weeks because you're coming back from retreat." And I was like, oh, "I was on retreat. I wasn't around anybody." Uh, but, none, but nonetheless, my own brothers, you know, had to social distance themselves from me because uh, yeah, this whole COVID nineteen eighty four stuff. So, Trad Patrick, you're the first person I've said with a real hot take about the United States, so we are not a serious nation. Samuel Alito, justice on the Supreme Court, associate justice, gave a speech the other night in which he said, we have never seen the curtailing of rights in America like we have in 2020, and he doesn't expect it to get any better. What is he signaling, and what do you think about the future of the United States? I think think Alito, I think Thomas... Uh, maybe Kavanaugh and uh, the rest of the conservative justices actually see what's going on. Uh, they didn't have, they were not given the uh, the opportunity, if you would, to actually look at these things from constitutional standpoints. Uh, forget morality, um, but they weren't even allowed to look at them from, from a constitutional standpoint. So I think that they're seeing, hey, we were completely bypassed in all this. This is not this is not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. And I think what they're seeing is what I'm seeing, which is that once you give control to a government, a government does not give up control back to the people willingly without yeah. a fight. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's where you're getting. So whether it's, it's locked down the churches, which again, where is that coming from? It, it's not really just coming from the bishops. It's coming from on high because here's the Pope, the seat of Rome, and he's the one who's saying, hey, you know, we're not even going to have Christmas Mass." Because 
that's not important. Uh, what's important is this uh, unity, if you would, with the secular world. Yeah, no, that's a great point. What what's so remarkable to me, and unfortunately, brother and and Pat, you won't be able to see this video that I'm about to play. This is just a montage of the chaos happening around the world, in which people from Austria, Italy, Ireland, UK, Germany, Spain, Portugal, and Northern Africa are rising up against this government tyranny. Here it is. <laughs> This is serious stuff, ladies and gentlemen. This is serious stuff. People are getting arrested for opposing what is happening around the world. And so far as I know, so far as I've been tracking, the only person who's been willing to get arrested in the United States over just not wearing a mask to mass was a 60-year-old woman in Kansas City, Missouri, mother of 11. Here's her bishop, Bishop Johnston in Kansas City saying that the diocese has no they have no objection to dropping the charges. What charges? Charges of trespassing? She was arrested and hauled out of a church for not having a mask on. And the diocese is leaving her high and dry. In an email, they said that she was disturbing, disturbing the service by not wearing her mask. She's a disruptive attendee. But the decision to press charges would be have to be made by the arresting officers. This is a lie. You and I know that this is a lie. We've talked about this before. I did a show with her. Jane came into the studio. My question for you, Brother Martin, and then Pat, if we're going to be arrested for not wearing a mask and our bishops are going to sell us down the river... What chance do we have to oppose this vaccine? I'd say zero. I mean, it I mean, if if President Trump is going to use the military to enforce it, uh, to drive it down our throats, uh, if the USCTB are going to require it, if if we're going to be required to to have this vaccine in order to participate in civil life, I mean, I'm sure some of us have like worn masks just to be able to go into the grocery store real quick, get whatever we need, and just run out just because we you know, don't want the inconvenience of it, but Pretty soon it's, it's going to be more than just inconvenience. You won't be able to go to the grocery store at all. Mm -hmm. You won't be able to buy anything at all mm -hmm. unless you have this vaccine. Uh, unless there's, I mean, there's strengths in numbers, but unless everybody, there's, unless there's a really a mass movement to, to oppose this thing, uh, I, I don't really don't see a way out. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Where are all the men, Patrick? Where are the men in the laity? Where are the men in the priesthood? and the Episcopate who are going to protect us from this madness? Not, not in the, not, definitely not in the Novus Ordo. Uh, definitely not there. They don't exist there. Uh, maybe outside of a few, a handful of good clergy that will be punished 
that will be silenced. Um, as we've seen in the past, they do get punished. They do get silenced. Um, as far as men outside the clergy, it's dwindling numbers these days, dwindling numbers. And, and, and you see it with all the, I, I love the patriotic grunt style, black rifle coffee guys who, you know, they got the t-shirt on and says, you know, don't mess with me and my guns, but they have a mask on. Yeah, right. And, and it, it's like, like, do you even understand what freedom is? I mean, it's like, look, <laughs> it's, it's useless. It doesn't do anything. I had this thing and I think I had it mm-hmm. twice and guess what? I'm still here. I'm still alive. I, you know, um, so you're saying that yeah. you survived, you had, you had coronavirus and you yep. didn't die. Nope. Do you think it's a real virus? I, I think there's plenty of viruses out there, right? There's SARS, there's, there's, uh, uh, the flu, there's, there's bacterial meningitis. I mean, bacterial meningitis is more dangerous than, than, uh, than, uh, the Rona. So, I mean, there's plenty of things out there that you can get sick from. Um, it's just a matter of, look, you know, you get sick, you stay home, you get better. Uh, our society, unfortunately, has de-evolved to a point where people are sick. What do they do? They still go to work. Yep. So they spread the germ, they spread the disease. So instead of saying, stay home because you're sick, no, we go to work, so we put on a mask, and that's supposed to protect yourself and your fellow coworkers, or, or, or we have the, what do they call the new thing where they, where they want everybody to, uh, put their name down every time they touch something or something like that. Um, oh, it's worse than contact tracing. It's like object tracing. Yeah, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to end. You know, we're 2000 plus years of a civilized society and we haven't cured the common cold. You're not going to, we haven't cured the flu. The reality is you're probably not going to cure this and people will still get it. It's just, you know what? You go on with your life and you stop this this nonsense. But the nonsense doesn't stop because the church is complicit, the, the, the people are complicit, and the government loves it. They have the control and they got you to buy the lie. And they're just not going to give that up anymore. I want to point something out just politically because so many people ha- are, are curious about, you know, look, I, I, I voted for Trump. I support Trump for the presidency. I have my reservations about Certain things, for example, the lockdowns happened during Trump. Plan, uh, funding to Planned Parenthood continues unabated underneath Trump. The uh, destruction of our ecclesiastical rights under Trump. And unfortunately, the warp speed vaccine is uh, something that he's campaigning on. So I want to talk a little bit about the politics. The fact of the matter is, I sitting here today... On Friday the 13th, I don't know who's going to occupy the Oval Office on January 20th, 2021. I think it's a good chance it's Trump. I think it's a good chance it's Biden. Regardless, though, Trump is still president right now, and we are headed into a second lockdown right now. And I want to drive the point home that we were caught off guard last time, ladies and gentlemen. We were caught off guard. We didn't, see, we didn't think it was going to be that bad. Joseph and I did. The day that Denver closed, we went live and said, everyone's closing. It's a bellwether archdiocese. When that happened, we said, no one is safe. This is the real contagion. And I've talked a lot about how these, this, this philosophy of naturalism, whereby these clerics place 
concern for your body ahead of concern for your soul because they don't really believe in the supernatural. I've talked a lot about that. But this time, it's different. This time, we can get ahead of it. And that's the point of the video tonight. That's the point of my intuition. My, I, I just rushing in front of the camera, wanting to get you guys on the phone so that we can co- coordinate a counterattack because we don't have to take this crap. We don't. We absolutely don't. I will never, ever, ever put that syringe into my body. So long as I live and so help me God. Now, somebody's commenting, and I want to get your take on this. It is not just going to be the government, says Yavo. Expect this to be enforced by the private sector as well. No shirt, no shoes, no vaccine passport, no service. Isn't that what is coming down the pike? We spoke earlier on the rundown uh, about whether or not Trump was... I guess part of the, the, the new world order. How, how was, how did that go? How was, how was that phrased? Um, whether or not he's, he's, he's in with, with everyone else, you know, how does he, uh, I mean, he's a big business guy. How does he, how do you have the, the Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton show up to his supposed third wedding, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this is precisely, uh, I mean, kind of what shows big business is a part of this big government. They're united now. Uh, I guess Chesterton would say hudge and grudge, you know, um, Chesterton would say it's either HUD or grudge, either big business or big government. Um, but now we see them united in this way to, to push the same agenda. And, and that's when it's scary because they will, of course, dominate, dominate the small businesses. Um, and what, in one sense, we could create an underground market, not a black market, but an underground market where, you know, food, all that kind of stuff, all the necessities are, are, are given to people who refuse the vaccine. Nonetheless, kind of like ammunition is, is, funneled through you know in, in rebellious groups to or between in, within a rebellious group to, to fight a, a revolution mm-hmm. um everything everything underground um but of course big businesses they become experts yeah in in squashing small businesses so yeah banks are against small businesses too so right now um i'm getting some pushback in the chat alberto just joined thank you so much for joining alberto i want to get to your comments here in a minute People are saying, look, you can't blame Trump for the lockdowns. Why not? Why not, ladies and gentlemen? We've lived through the worst year of my adult life, 2020, and it's not even over yet. I think November is going to be a doozy. I think we are going to be without for Christmas. We've missed Easter. We're going to miss Christmas. We're likely going to miss Epiphany. That's the big three, ladies and gentlemen. And that didn't happen under Biden or Obama or George W. Bush, or Clinton. That happened under Trump. He didn't fire Fauci. He let Fauci go wild. He still hasn't fired Fauci. So for all of you who are out there who are telling me uh, this election was stolen from Trump, yes, I believe that that's true. It was stolen from Trump. It may be stolen from Trump. He still could prevail. I told you I voted for him. But I also want to hold him accountable. This isn't a simple world that we live in. This isn't simply us versus them. My team, your team, red and blue, right and left, Republican, Democrat. If you think it's that simple, I'm sorry. Unsubscribe from the channel. We are Catholics first, period, Catholics. Alberto, what's your comment? Hey, Mike, and hey, brother. Uh, 
Yeah, no, what you were talking about, Mike, it's not a, about the Demo, you know, Democrat Party or Republican Party. It's about being Catholics first. And when we look at the history of Catholics in the United States, uh, we are able to see that, that Catholics, you know, originally did not necessarily identify with either party mm-hmm. because the ideals of both of these parties do not align with what Catholicism truly is. Uh, and uh, what you mentioned about, uh, you know, President Trump and, and, and all of that. Yeah, they, all, all of this happened under President Trump and where I live in. What I'm saying is that actually the local businesses are the ones that are the most friendly, the ones that are not requiring all these measures, uh, whereas the big chains are the ones that are requiring them. Now, up to what extent is that going to last, uh, right, with everything you were talking about of the the vaccines and all of that how long is it going to last we don't know but Mm -hmm. we uh, still have time at least in those places where that have not been locked up you still have time to identify which are the businesses that are that Mm -hmm. are are at least at least uh, the most likely to not impose these measures on you now alberto you're in south texas your correct me if i'm wrong your diocese is officially closed right now no we're we're kind of in a, in a weird spot. So we've been open since May. So we closed out in March, opened okay. in May. But it is my understanding that there are still some parishes that are closed. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, as, as both Mike and my brother know, I stay away from the Novo Sordo. So I, you know, have not checked, you know, other parishes. My parish is, is uh, open, but other churches, I don't know what the situation is. But what I see when I go out here is that everybody buys into all of it. Everybody, every single person I've seen people at the supermarket point to other people say, Hey, why is that person not wearing a mask? And yeah. then the employees here go in and tell a person. So I've seen that happen. And so that just leads me to believe that everybody's buying into it. So the people that have their parishes that are uh, closed are number one mm-hmm. uh, parishes where there's not a lot of young people that are going because of the crisis in the church. So uh, most of probably older people that are very scared. They've bought into the whole media because our prelates have bought into it. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if they, you know, I want to assume that at least they do it sincerely. Right. But they have bought into all of this and they have allowed the people to keep believing all of this. Perfect comment. Um, and I, I, I agree fully with everything you said, Alberto. I want to pivot a little bit in this conversation because this video fundamentally needs to be a call to action and a and a what to do now what do we do now so i want to kick it over to brother martin my question is when you look at how catholics have faced this kind of adversity in the past when secular authorities have attempted to close our churches and we literally bust down the doors and take them back we're brother martin we're we're headed for that again. We're headed headlong at 90 miles an hour into a situation where the bishops are going to close the churches. They're going to capitulate. They're going to cave. More than half the bishops are basically members of the DNC. There's no separation between the USCCB and the DNC. As others have reported, the USCCB funneled money to the DNC. So we know that they're in bed together and they're expecting a bailout. What can we do, Brother Martin? Do you recommend that we literally open the doors ourselves? 
they had an interesting conversation uh, with Alberto, I think maybe a week ago, about the Cristeros. Um, Alberto's Hispanic, I'm Hispanic, we're both Mexican. Um, and we're talking a little bit about the history uh, because I think that era in the church um, gives us everything we need We need in this sense. Like for me personally, I, I fell in love with uh, the pre-55 liturgy and all that kind of stuff first I, when I was introduced to it because I realized that it was these martyrs that were praying these these same books, like the river I, I praised from 1922. That's when the Cristero War was going on. And so I know the uh, the priests that, that were martyred down in Mexico were, were praying the, the exact same prayers that I, I'm using now. Uh, and I, I pray those prayers so that I could be fortified with the same faith to be a martyr um, if God wills it, if God gives me that, that grace. Um, first and foremost, uh, I think it's also, it also gives us a little bit of a perspective. Uh, right now, we're, we're trying to figure out how to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look back on the era with the Cristeros, the martyrs in Spain, mm-hmm. uh, St. Maximilian Colby, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who, who was thrown in jail, who went to a camp, not a FEMA camp, but a concentration camp. Um, he wasn't canonized necessarily because he created a media project um, and, and wanted to, to promote, you know, the Immaculata or whatever. I mean, that's, it's great, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but he's known for the story when uh, some prisoners try to escape and the soldiers in the concentration camp mm-hmm. wanted to literally decimate uh the campers, the people in the camp, um, to prove a lesson. Mm-hmm. Million Colby saw that uh, you know a father of a family was was begging for his life. No, please don't don't choose me. I have kids, all that kind of stuff. And Maximilian Colby stepped in his place. Said, no, pick me instead. And of course, the guards asked him, "Who are you?" And he responds, "I'm a Catholic priest." Mm-hmm. You know, we're all we're all so moved by this story, this this heroism, this this willingness to um, you know give one's life. And and then now, decades later, we look back and. We, we don't necessarily uh, ask ourselves, what, what could have these guys done to avoid all of this? Instead, we look back at their hero, hero, heroism and see how they responded, you know, in that adversity up to the point of death. Um, as, as far as what can we do, though, that it, it is, I mean, it's, it's our responsibility yes. uh, to protect our, our families. Um, that's I mean, when I was talking to Alberto, um, I don't know, Alberto, I mean, you know a lot about the history. Uh, the Cristeros, like the underground network the Catholics had uh, in that time, uh, who was how they were communicating with bishops, the few bishops that were actually faithful to the Cristeros and didn't just, you know, mm-hmm. flee the country or whatever. Uh, but I think uh, that the history there could actually teach us a little bit of, of how to create some sort of underground communications network um, uh, to be able to survive. Well, I and, and I want you to get into that, uh, Alberto, but I, I have to read this comment. Michelle just put into the chat. In Pennsylvania, the liberal governor, we know it's a very liberal governor there in Pennsylvania, did not shut down our churches. The bishops did. I was shocked. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the mentality that we're talking about. It's not even the case that every single little Fauchist around the country, in your municipality or your county or your state, is going to force the churches to close Many of your churches are going to declare themselves non-essential just like they did the first time. And instead of being caught off guard, we know that they're going to do it. We know it. It's coming soon. Where I live, I know that the COVID announcement is coming Monday or Tuesday. What can we do, Alberto? Mike, speaking about that on the, you know, the, not not to get off the Cristeros, you know, but 
really quick on this. Here in Texas, Governor Abbott said from the very beginning that the local counties that were issuing the stay-at-home orders, the lockdowns, that they could not mess with uh, religion. Now, you know, sadly, both the Catholic religion and false religion, but that's what he said. So all the, the whole time that our, our churches in my diocese were closed, they mm -hmm. were closed because of the bishop. And then, and that's the same thing all around the state. So it, was, it wasn't even uh, an issue with the local counties. And I assume that at least most, in most red states, that was uh, the situation. Father Palmer in, uh, in uh, the United Kingdom, in Wales, Wales has gone into some of the strictest lockdown in the entire world. It's mind-boggling. It's staggering what they're doing in Wales. They're, they're literally opening up women's handbags looking for contraband. They only allow you to buy essential goods at grocery stores. Non-essential goods at grocery stores are saran wrapped. They're not available for sale. Father Palmer took to Twitter two weeks ago and he said, I repent of having cooperated with the first lockdown, and I will not close, even if ordered to do so. How many priests are like Father Palmer around the world? So far, he's the only one I know. He's the only one that I'm aware of. Well, I guess in, in fairness, uh, within the Novus Ordo world, um, I, guess, I don't know if he's ordinary or whatever. Um, but I mean, like we know that a lot of SSPX chapels, a lot of city chapels, they, they all stayed open, mm. and, but they didn't have the platform to, to say that they were, you know, they were open or else uh, other people would just stay away from them simply because, uh, you know, an ideology or whatever, or they hear that they're bad. Um, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, mass is mass in order to fulfill your Sunday obligation. Like you only need a Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time the obligation was dispensed so I guess if you want to stay home just, just because they're, you, know, you don't have to go well I guess it's your own choosing but um, yeah. I mean, there are a lot, of, a lot of priests that are still are still out there giving sacraments yeah so. yeah and, and I think a lot of people who uh, welcome back Patrick um, a lot of people who survived the first lockdown did so in barns in underground situations in potentially uh, illicit, according to the letter of the law, according to the bishop, the local ordinary masses, in which they were bringing their families to receive the sacraments, which communicates grace, sharing in the eternal life of God. That's what grace is. Sharing grace into our souls. It's the only way that it happens through the seven sacraments. Katie in Atlanta points out, then later Father Palmer caved to his bishop, check his Twitter. That's true. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but you're right, Katie. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to have some hope that there was one heroic priest out there somewhere in the world who was going to stand up to his bishop and become the figure think, that we need. Go ahead, Pat. I did want to say something. I've seen a lot of people saying, I bet Father so-and-so or Father so-and-so won't close his church. Understand if they're under the local ordinary, they have to do what they're told. Uh, if they don't, they get censured and uh, they can, they can lose their uh, position in that parish. They can, there are a lot of things that can be done to them if they do not listen to the Bishop. And if the Bishop says you're going to close, there's not much that they can do. 
Mm-hmm. And adding on to that, Patrick, what I, what I recommend that people do is if your parish only offers one hour of confession, scheduled confession uh, a week, at least identify other parishes. Ask maybe other people that you may be close to that go to other parishes and try to figure out where, in case of a lockdown, you could potentially avail yourself of the sacrament of confession. Mm-hmm. That, that's very important because what happened here in my area as well was that most parishes only will do one hour of confession a week. So what happened was that the diocese closed down and I heard from other people from in other parishes saying, my priest actually shut down confession, said, oh, because of the pandemic, I'm not gonna listen to confessions. Mm-hmm. And to certain priests that, we, that I know that were still offering the sacraments, people ended up going with them. So, but that's because they knew people. Can you imagine, can you imagine answering for that before Almighty God? Souls die in mortal sin, condemned to hell forever. Souls that you are supposed to be in charge of, you priest, you. You're supposed to be the shepherd of souls, and you're afraid of the sniffles, and you deny absolution, and you refuse to hear confessions? I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. Seth Ball comments, he's in Indiana, another example in the Midwest where the governor never told the churches to close, but they did anyway. How do you explain that, ladies and gentlemen? How do you explain churches closing without the force of government? I explain, I explain it simply. The only, the only priest to bring a lawsuit against the government right now is an SSPX priest in the state of California. That's right. Father Trevor uh, Burfitt. Yep. He's the only one to bring a, a lawsuit against it. So, look, I mean, to a degree, and I, I know I'll get kicked back for this, but priests are, are human beings, right? Uh, I got an excuse to not have to do something. And so they, they don't do it. And they say, you know what? I'm not going to do this because this is, number one, we have an issue with the clergy today with their ideologues. Yeah. And, and so they put the ideology before the, before the faith. And they say, well, you can have a perfect act of contrition because it's, it's here in you know, this, this one place where it's mentioned and you can do this. And, and that's not true. It's a completely extraordinary circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the perfect act of contrition is nearly impossible. It's sort of like uh, you can get a plenary indulgence according to the usual uh, conditions. Well, one of those conditions is that you have zero attachment, a n- zero attachment to sin, not even not having venial sin. So you walk straight out of the baptismal font, basically, but you have zero attachment to sin. These people don't talk about that. When, when, when plenary indulgences are offered to a million people, there's, a, there's actually an example of this. There's a mystical example of this where one of the cardinals, one of the good ones, I think Cardinal Siri, was told or, or it was revealed to him that, you know, when there's a new pope and he gives his papal blessing, everyone who's there in St. Peter's Basilica gets offered a indulgence, and it was revealed that there were two souls out of the million present for which it was actually efficacious, and it was the Pope and it was Cardinal Siri. Um, <laughs> not good for us, huh, Brother Martin? I guess not. <laughs> okay. I want to I get, uh, get a little practical here. So we framed the problem. We know that these places are going to shut down. We've talked about this. You, you all graciously have been offering up a bunch of examples in the chat, in the live chat. I've, I've only listed a few of them. You should go back. If you're watching this, make sure you're watching the live stream chat as well. But we need to be prepared to communicate with each other 
without cell phones. We need to be prepared to pass information, to organize. We need to pre-plan our underground masses. We need to have code words and brevity words. We need to use encryption whenever possible. We need to have storage of supplies. We need to get our families ready. You're already, if, you, if, if you don't already have toilet paper, you're already wrong. Get a bidet because there's no more toilet paper. It's already off the shelves. <laughs> they actually sold out of you. You laughed. They actually sold out of bidets at, at a couple of the um, plumbing supply places during the first wave, and it was hysterical that people were actually going out and buying bidets in such record numbers. And it, I, I have a guy who does plumbing for us for the company, and he was saying how he, on his side job. He was installing bidets. He's like, I had never installed a bidet in the United States in 20 plus years of plumbing. <laughs> I'd never heard of one until I, I lived in Italy. I was like, what is that? It's like a sink, but in the shape of a toilet. <laughs> well, actually in, in Singapore, when I was, when I was living over there for work, they don't have toilet paper. You have to request it. So if you're, if you're yeah. a foreigner, you have to request <laughs> toilet paper because they don't use it. It's like, there's the bidet. What's wrong oh, with you? Use that. Oh, boy. Well, Pat, I know, I know you, um, you were active duty and you served around the world too. I, they don't even have bidets in Iraq. They just have holes in the ground. Well, yeah, you use the sand to get that coarse texture. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, Miss Kate. <laughs> this is, um, but this is actually happening. And we can laugh about it um, because the alternative is, to, is righteous indignation. And I think it is righteous indignation. Somebody in the chat asked, I'll kick this over to brother. We all know the answer to this. But can you do virtual confessions? Can you can you zoom with somebody, Brother Martin, and receive absolution? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of the sacraments is uh, well, it's God's like physically touching us. What about I mean, by the, phone? The moral presence is absolutely necessary. Um, this is something that I got from actually moral theologians with doctorates in the subject. Uh, so I'm just repeating their answers. Um, the answer, not over, the, not over the phone, not over email, not over Zoom, not over Skype, not over whatever app you want, you know, insert name of app here. You have to have proximity, physical proximity. Exactly. Because You're sounding very skizzy, brother. Am I, am I well, in, in Thomistic realism, you experience the world with your five senses, okay? This is, we, we can't have a digital reality. Some people tonight are playing video games and tweeting about it. We're at war. We're at war right now. And unfortunately, we're going to have to turn our, our sights on our own prelates who have abandoned us from the battlefield. Okay, so there's the practical stuff that you can do. You can, you can stock up on supplies. You can prepare for underground masses. Brother Martin, I, I want to go around. I want Alberto, Brother Martin, and, um, and Trad Patrick to give me your takes. What, if anything, should you be communicating to your priests, to your chancery? What in advance, what words of encouragement, advice, can, how can you lend them some courage so that they don't capitulate this time just like they did last time? Brother Martin, you can go first. In the back of every priest's mind, I think, is, is their support. The church asks their priests to lay down their life on their ordination day and in return, that they will be provided for. They'll, they have a free rectory to stay. They have uh, money for food. They have health insurance. They have car insurance, all that kind of stuff. They know, for instance, if they disobey their bishop, one of the things that a bishop can do is take all of that completely and totally away. And, of course, the only degrees that a lot of them have are just in the, uh, theology and philosophy. 
you can't really teach theology at a secular school being a censured priest you won't be hired at a catholic one um and so they literally have to work i know priests literally that work at walmart um mm -hmm. to make ends meet um i think laity in terms of, of um encouraging your priests like you, you have to encourage your priests to have to accept the punishments and and what could give them the courage is knowing that they have a place to stay a, a roof over their head mm -hmm. uh food uh they, you know they won't go hungry um and they can continue their ministry simultaneously mm -hmm. um that there's a place to stay uh now i guess if you're a priest living uh you know w with this uh with this fear or whatever i could i got a place to stay just hit, hit me up uh come stay with me if if you want to be faithful to jesus christ uh, no worries there but uh yeah if you to encourage your 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 parish i mean and also parish priests are the ones that are actually want to serve the faithful those that are in the a lot of those in the chanceries like they, they love being in the chancery they love being in that in crowd it's its own in, in, in crowd um, and so yeah. they're most likely not not going to uh really care what you have to say encourage them to to be faithful to the truth yeah they won't lose their position as chancellor or as vicar general or whatever mm -hmm. they'll be willing to risk risk those titles um, they work hard for them uh, they like the status, whatever the the name of the senior, whatever. Um, but but I think I think it's that is is really encourage your priests that you know they they won't they won't die because they choose to to be faithful. Pat, I know that you attend the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth. I'm not going to give an opinion about that. I think everyone can infer what my opinion is. So you are in some ways insulated. But I also know that the Society of St. Pius X around the country caved in the first go. Yeah, there were many, there were many that, I don't want to say they caved. There were many places where they didn't have a choice. Um, you got to understand how the society works. And a lot of their, a lot of their chapels are sometimes uh, public facilities. They don't actually have a chapel. So it might be in some place like Ketchikok, Alaska, where they fly in. Um, and they, they go and they say mass in a, in a community center. So in that particular instance, that community center is closed down because it, it belongs to the, the state. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a choice. So I, I want to draw the line at maybe the, the cave thing would be if, if it was a real, uh, standing building and, and it, in some places they did some places they did, but they were forced by the state. So if there was a place where, the state didn't have an order, they didn't shut down. But if the state did have an order, um, they were, you know, the society's already on, on some uh, uneven ground because they don't have the backing of Rome. So they don't have those resources if they have to, get, if they have to uh, go to court and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So instead of uh, risking uh, clergymen going to prison and stuff like that, they, they did shut down in those areas. Um, but honestly, you know what? Uh, the Catholics have been persecuted throughout time, right? From the very beginning, we've 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 been persecuted. You talk about uh, the Irish uh, uh, persecutions. Yep. What did they do? You know, they couldn't have, so they created the Irish Penal Rosary, which I actually I carry one in my pocket every day. Um, my the my uh, patron saint, Saint Patrick, and uh, you know we've always found a way to to get to mass. And I love, I love the society. I love the, I love the, the diocesan priests that are willing to stand up to the, to the nonsense mm -hmm. and to find ways to uh, get around it. 
locally, the, the local Novus Ordo um, Cathedral uh, during during Palm Sunday decided that they were going to do last year. They did a drive through. So basically you drove and, and there were the deacons and the priests literally standing there in like civilian clothes too, not mm-hmm. even like, mm-hmm. you know, priestly uh, clerical robes or anything like that. They're just standing there in civilian clothes and they, they would hand you as they, you know, six feet away, they would hand you a couple uh, of palms and a throw you, basically throw you a, a bottle of uh, holy water. And that's, you know, that's where the, that's where the mass is getting to. It's because they're not willing to fight. This is, we're, we're at an, we're at an inflection point. I'll get to you, Alberto. I know you, but you have prepared an answer to this. We're at an inflection point now because in March, very, very few people were doubting that there was a virus, that it was communicable, that it could potentially be deadly. The entire world was relying on what was happening in Italy primarily, and it appeared to be pretty bad. Now, we know how to treat it. It's not going to kill you in most cases. The vast majority, 99.6% survivability rate, Alberto. And it's not as though we are living in the penal times or in the times of the Christeros or in the Roman persecution. So what are you going to tell your bishop? What are you going to tell your priest? Yeah, and I, I saw some priests back in the day, back in March, that were defending the lockdowns. And they were saying, oh, look, but look, you know, if there's been these types of lockdowns before in history. The difference is that when the saintly bishops were the ones that did this, ask people to stay home for the place, you look at, at photos and, for example, at Rome, they had altars built outside so that the people could still assist at mass. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, those it seemed like there was no effort. Yeah, now, Charles, Charles Barromeo took the sacraments to the people. Everyone, all the all the liberal Catholics are saying, "Oh, Charles Barromeo, he was for lockdowns." Yeah, because he brought the sacraments to the people, and he never caught the plague. By the way, exactly. Now let, let me say this: so, something that probably everyone listening should. It's very easy to do. Churches are still open. You can still get access to a priest, especially a traditional priest. Go get some salt. Go get a bunch of water and go get it exercised and blessed by the traditional priests in the alt-right. Because let me say, even though, of course, the the virus is not as dangerous as the media is putting it out there, uh, we know that people out there, if you get the virus and you test positive at work, at your job, they will not allow you to go to work. Mm -hmm. And you may end up suffering in that way. Now, personally, I remember when I got the the, the salt exercise right before the lockdown, because I knew that I was going to need a bunch of it. The priest said, oh, look, in the blessing, it says that it's for... uh, you know, it asks God for uh, health of mind and spirit and of body as well. So you can use this, you know, not in a, not in a, in a superstitious way, but truly in, in a spiritual way to also fight things that may uh, damage, damage you and keep mm-hmm. you from providing for your family, which is at the end of the day also very important. So do that. You keep, just keep a bunch of holy water in your, in your, in your house, keep it around because the family is going to need it. It's, so not going to be easy times. Lockdowns are not easy times. I know that you know us lay people had a had it difficult during the lockdown because when you can no longer take your family to church, they're going to look to you as a priest of the house to provide spiritual support for your family. So you're going to be able to have the sacramentals available for your family. And I think that's that's uh, at least that's something that I did during the first lockdown, and that it really helped me make it through. I would not have done it through without sacramentals for sure. Okay, and of course, that's... also the frequent sacraments, but. That's a good point. Sacramentals, never doubt the power of sacramentals. You know, the, the sacramentals in the COVID-1984 church, sacramentals are 
hand sanitizer is the new holy water, and the mask is the new vestment. We have to reject that. We have to reject that totally, fully, out of hand. I got a commenter here who is saying that she was denied access to the sacrament of confession at a Society of St. Pius X chapel because she didn't have mortal sins. I I read that one, and to be honest with you, um, if I was you, I would I would reach out to the uh, to the society because uh, that is not the society stand. So if 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 an individual society priest is is doing that, I, I would reach out to the society itself and and let them know because he should be disciplined for that. Yeah, great point, um, Brad's mom. I hope you do that. I want to talk a little bit about spiritual communion. And and reiterate my opposition to kneeling in front of your television set and watching the mass. And those are two separate concepts, but they've been packaged as though they're one. And Brother Martin, you're gonna help you're gonna have to help me unpack this. We hear a lot from these clerics, especially in the episcopate, about virology and epidemiology. Suddenly they're experts about the natural sciences. And they give you all these reasons why they have to close the parishes, close the diocese, shut it down, stay home. It's, it's all the same. In some places around the country, they have already extended your, uh, your indult from having to go to Mass. You don't even have to go to Mass. You're excused until Ash Wednesday of next year. Talk to us a little bit about what a spiritual communion is, if you could, brother. Because so often... These men who wear crimson or red hats or maroon or whatever the color is, they don't actually tell you what a spiritual communion is or how to sanctify the Lord's Day, how to keep the third commandment in your house, which you are still bound by. It's divine law. Yeah, spiritual communion, I mean, just because the word communion in it doesn't make it equivalent to receiving the Holy Eucharist, receiving a sacrament. And I think that's kind of how they've package it in order to sell it's like oh just do a spiritual communion and receive just the same grace as having received you know holy the holy eucharist it's the same um in one sense it's a pious practice to ask god to give you grace um to receive our lord you know as one would do if they had the opportunity to receive holy communion um part of it is, is this disposition that God, God's presence doesn't doesn't change around us simply because we we ignore Him. Like, mm-hmm. if we don't feel God to be present or acknowledge His existence, it's it's our own fault. Um, I was in a retreat one one time, and and uh, the the retreat master said, you know, why why do we even do like adoration? Do we really believe that like gold doors of the tabernacle can really keep within it, hold within it the presence of God? The real reason we don't we do adoration isn't so that God will be more present to us; it's so that we will be more present to God. And I think this is the real, the, the starting uh, contrast between receiving our Lord in the, in the Holy Eucharist and just a spiritual communion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it, it's a prayer that one says um, in a moment where one desires to, um, to receive our Lord in the Holy, in the Blessed Sacrament, but, but cannot. Um, it, is, it, is, it is not the same thing, but the, I guess the bishops and priests are, are advertising it as if it, it does the exact same stuff and it, and it doesn't. Uh, second of all, I mean, you know, we all know that we can't receive uh, 
uh, communion in a state of mortal sin. I mean, if, if we're in a state of moral sin, I mean, what good is a spiritual communion going to do us? Um, we've, we've separated our, our souls from, from God from the state of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need, we need a confession in order to, to be able to, to receive the grace that a spiritual communion would even give us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess that's uh, the reason why it, it's not the same. Woe, woe to the priest who allows members of his flock to die in the state of mortal sin, having denied them absolution, having denied them holy viaticum, because he is afraid that he's going to catch a fever and a tickle in his throat. Even woe to person. that priest. I, I, know, I know a priest, a Noah Sordo priest. I mean, there's... It was, it was in a diocese where there's some, you know, schizzy priests, systematic priests or whatever, traditional priests uh, that operate on supply jurisdiction rather than ordinary jurisdiction. Um, but they never close down these, these traditional priests. They go to the hospitals and anoint the dying. Um, I, I've heard parishioners that go to a Novus Ordo parish that their priest was actually yelling at them to not to receive the last rites from this priest. If they did, if they did, don't bother coming back to our Novus Ordo parish. Wow! Like literally, like, like literally kicking them out of the parish if they were, if you know their parents or whatever were dying, if if they allowed them to receive the last rites from this traditionalist priest. And of course, they uh, they left that Novus Ordo parish and now are faithful to this traditionalist priest because he actually, you know, did his duty. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Woe to woe, woe priests that you know not take it to a whole new level. Okay, um, we've heard about the Cristeros. We've talked about the Irish Mass Rocks. We know that this is coming. I've asked everyone to give their opinion about what we can do in advance, what we can do to, to prevent the lockdown, how we can buttress good and holy priests, and even some of the bishops, and stand with them and encourage them not to shut down not to comply. Because look, it doesn't matter who's going to win next year. The vaccine is going to be pushed. COVID cases are going up. So they say Fauci's never been fired. The world is locking down. If you're just joining us, I've got Brother Martin on the line. I've got Trad Patrick. I've got Alberto in Texas. i got someone else entering the room. I'm not sure who it is. But now they're on. And we're talking about how we can get ahead of this. Because the toilet paper is already gone. A quarter of Catholics in the United States are already without the sacraments. Who just called in? Your favorite Muppet. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. We got him. Okay, so we've got Tony. We've got Tony in New Orleans. Thank you for joining us, Tony. I know you've been following the conversation. What what are you going to tell your bishop there in New Orleans? What are you and Mike Church going to tell your bishop there? Well, there's a lot to be said and a lot to be had. But the problem is, is that will they listen? Because time and time and again, we tell them, we ask them, and we do what we can, and they don't listen. And so earlier we mentioned going to the priests. You have to go to the priests because they're wanting to do the right thing. You cannot outlaw prayer. You cannot outlaw mass. There is no such thing as disobedience in offering mass and in prayer. And that's mm-hmm. what we have to do. Because when Bishop Amon came out and said, 
that there was a demonic presence that allowed that disgusting, awful, awful occurrence that happened on an altar in one of the parishes. Mm -hmm. That was the most surprising thing anybody from this area had ever heard or seen when he actually came out and said that. So we can't rely on them. We have to go to our parish priests and ask them because we don't know until we ask what they're willing to do and how far they're willing to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you in touch in your area with any priests who are ready to go underground, who are ready to defy the bishop if he does uh, comply with a lockdown or order a lockdown? Without going too far, I know several that either have in the past with certain lockdowns or are willing to in the future. But absolutely. The problem was they weren't even considering it until they found out that there's a genuine need, a genuine want, Mm -hmm. and a genuine desire for Christ. Mm -hmm. So so would you say then, Tony, that that the first lockdown happened and priests just assumed that people didn't want the sacraments? Is that what you're saying? A lot of times it seemed like it was. That's the way that they acted, totally flippant. And they thought, well, it's kind of an act. You know, it's a vacation for me now because nobody really cares. It's cultural, especially down in areas here with certain um, ethnicities. And so why do more than they have to? But once they're pressed and they're pushed, they want to be men. They want to be Christ-like as they're called to be. But they've never been asked that once in their life. Now is a time. Uh, now is a time for men. Now is a time to step up. Um, I think that's a great comment, Tony. I want to segue back over to um, to Pat. But now is a time for lay men, Patrick. Now is a time for us to stand up, to be leaders, to be strong, and to 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 be the crusaders that carry on the light of tradition. That say no, because we have to live in objective reality, ladies and gentlemen. We can't go along with a lie. At this point in time, we now know exactly how deadly and how communicable COVID-1984 is. And the fact of the matter is, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. It is not permissible to lock down an entire country and hold us hostage because one out of a thousand people are going to die. You have the lethality of the common cold at this point. We need to get on with it, ladies and gentlemen. And to the extent your ecclesiastical authorities are complicit with this lockdown, you can just assume that it's because they're about to be bought off, either by a Biden administration or a second bailout from a Trump administration. Patrick, your thoughts? I'll I'll say this. We had a much worse thing at one point, right? And that was the, the, the Black Plague, the, the bubonic plague, all this and that, right? Did people lock down? No, they had to go to work. They had to bring in the harvest. They had to do all these things. So that's what they went and did. They went about their life. Uh, they went to church. You know, we had leprosy. Uh, people didn't lock down. They didn't wear masks. They didn't walk around with a face shield and a mask and gloves mm-hmm. and pouring hand sanitizer on their hands every five minutes. They went out. They did what they had to do for themselves, for their families, and they, they did the right thing. And ultimately, you know, it, it ended, it ended, it went away. Right. Yeah. It went away. We don't have the bubonic plague anymore. Did we have forced shots mm-hmm. for it? No, it went away. And the problem is today, like you said, we don't have men. There are no men. We, we, we often talk about the problem with women, which is real, mm-hmm. 
But there's also a problem with men. They're very effeminate. Mm-hmm. They're very weak. They refuse to, uh, to fight back. They refuse to push the envelope. And, and even now, it's like I have very little faith that beyond a couple of uh, marches around buildings and mm-hmm. speeches given that come January, February, anybody's going to care because you know what? Super Bowl's on in February. Mm-hmm. So I got to go and watch that. And, and then after that's over, you know, well, baseball season's going to start or whatever else it is. And it's always going to be this, this next round of, yeah. of uh, you know, uh, bread and circus. Yeah. And that's all that they care about. So like you said, you've got – quote unquote, and I say quote unquote, because I don't believe he is influential Catholic speakers playing video games. Yeah, right. It, the, the Friday night massacre is happening. This is why we're live. We're, we're choosing to spend our Friday night. You got six kids. I got six kids. Tony, you got a whole crew. You guys are on live storing the faith media, YouTube channel. Please subscribe, like the page, do all those things. But we're at war. We're literally at war. We're at war with our county-level health officials. We're at war with the Fauchists who surround us in our municipalities and our state-level governments. And perhaps we're going to be at ideological war with the federal government, either now or in the future. My question to you is, how can you choose, as you see cities literally enacting COVID-1984 restrictions on Friday night, city after city, St. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, Chicago, Pennsylvania, California, New York, Washington, Oregon, Idaho just went into stage two. Idaho. Hey, can I just, I just want to point out one thing real quick, Mike, and I don't think anybody brought this up. Did you notice that at the beginning of this, there were absolutely no masks? You couldn't get a mask, right? You couldn't Mm -hmm. buy one. You could, you, people were going to jail for hoarding them, right? (laughs) Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this entire market was built up around masks. Like they go on and everybody who has a think tank or whatever else is put by putting masks on there. Knights of Columbus have one. You could you could literally have thousands of masks now. You mm-hmm. can buy you can buy latex gloves in a gas station now. Mm-hmm. But these things weren't available. People have to open their eyes. They created a market mm-hmm. to create a control, to create mechanisms that put you in place. I know a guy who is selling the COVID tests to certain municipalities around the country, and he's making $2 million a day profit, $2 million a day. The profiteers off of this racket are very real. The toilet paper manufacturers are a good example. The mask makers, as you said, Pat. Kennedy Hall Hall, our based Canadian lumberjack is in the chat, and he says, we're at war with common sense. (laughs) Did you did you guys hear about Elon Musk? He went and he took four tests from four different places, and he actually put out his own thing saying that they're all BS. Yeah, didn't because he, get he got two, four different results. Yeah, he got two positives and two negatives. So this is a joke. Uh, a lot of money being made by Chinese right now. Chinese manufacturers of masks. Chinese manufacturers of all kinds of things. The church is about to be complicit. We told you that that was going to happen. We saw it happening when it happened in the first and second week of March. We saw the first lockdown. We've been telling you here at Restoring the Faith that the second lockdown, since September, we've been warning against it. Now, 
one out of four American Catholics labors under some kind of restriction, which prevents them from receiving the sacraments. And it is getting worse tonight, Friday the 13th. It's getting worse. Cities are falling, and you're going to see ecclesiastical authorities falling as well. I want to get your final thoughts, Tony, and then Pat, on what a man, a father of many, provider and protector, should be doing right now to protect yourself spiritually, physically, going forward. Well, I'm glad you started with beauty first. I appreciate that. So let's just let that be said first. But <laughs> the biggest thing is you got to remember that, like, if you're not praying with your family, if you're not raising your family, if you're not educating your family, you've already lost. It's 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 not too late yet, but you better start now. Mm-hmm. Um, take it very seriously because they're trying to indoctrinate our children. They're trying to take over the country. They're trying to take over the world right in front of our faces. And they're using Netflix. They're using TVs, internet, whatever they can to distract us from the real issues. So I'm telling you, start tonight if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Pray with your family. I'm gonna. It, it's awkward, but do it. If you haven't done it, it's going to be awkward, but start. And the, the more you do it, the better it gets. And you better start praying soon because that's what matters to your children and your family and to society. And the other thing you better do is start taking everything else seriously as well. When you hear people at work or out in town being flippant, or just totally ignorant, right? And just not paying attention. Try to have conversations that matter with people, all right? Bring them to it slowly. Feed them milk when they can take milk. Feed them meat when they can take meat. But everybody's going to have to get on board. And the other thing I will say is that make sure that you are ready to defend yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. Because until we're willing to do that, we're no better than any other country in the world. Right now, we're more complicit than anywhere else in the world. And also, remember that you're not alone. Guys like us even on a Friday night are willing to sit and talk about this stuff and put these shows out and take time out of our night while our families are inside right now doing what, who knows what. Mm-hmm. All right. And guess what? Because we're not alone. If you need help, ask for help. There are people everywhere around this country and they might be a little bit scared, but you got to reach out. You got to talk to your community and band together like a band of brothers. Boom. And that's all I got, Mike. Hey, that was good. Thank you so much, uh, Tony in New Orleans, Navy veteran and a father of many and a good man. Um, That's good advice. I want to dovetail off that. I want to say two things and then hit it over to Pat for his closing thought. The first thing is, you as a Catholic man, you as a Catholic family, have an inherent right of self-defense. And if you can't defend yourself against a mob or a county-level government, then you have the right to band together as Catholics to defend yourselves. The rule of proportionality, the law of war, applies. St. Thomas Aquinas defines very clearly just war theory, and despite what you may have read in Tutti Frutti, which claims that there's no more need for just war theory, oh, there is. And one of the tenets of just war theory is proportionality, and to the extent they come at you with a syringe in hand, Seeking to do violence to your body, you can in turn do violence to them. Second point, K- Kennedy Hall is in the chat. He can't join us today. He lost a child and had to bury his child. But he's the author of a book called Family Be Damned. I don't have a picture of it. Sorry, Kennedy. I wish I could pull it up. 
but this is a literal book about the nonsense that happens to families, the demonic attack on families during a lockdown. You can find the book on Amazon, or I think you can find it through Meaning of Catholic. Timothy Flanders puts it out as well. Family Be Damned. It's a novel. You got to get it. I don't have my copy here in the studio or I would just wave it around. But the spiritual attacks on the family are real. The lockdown is evil. It is wicked. It is despicable. It is designed to destroy the family. Trad Patrick, closing thoughts. I'll say this. Dovetailing off of what uh, Tony had said, say, say and pray with your family's heart. You have six, seven, eight, nine kids. It's hard. Okay. And sometimes you're not going to get through a whole rosary or anything like that, but our lady, our lady understands that. And <clears throat> she gives us, I don't say credit, cause that's probably a bad word, but mm-hmm. you, you do get credit for out there trying to bring your family to that, that, that routine of prayer. Secondly, on war, the crusaders were willing to give up their lives to protect Christendom. Okay. They, some of these guys were gone five, 10 years. Some of these guys never came home to go out there on their own dime. A lot of people don't realize that the crusaders went to crusade mm-hmm. on their own dime. They bought all their, all their supplies with what little money they had to protect Christendom. Mm-hmm. And people in the chat saying things, do you think that the penalties for us disobeying are going to be any less? No, they're not. They're not. They're going to be probably worse. Mm-hmm. But did the martyrs ever think of that? Did the saints ever think of that? Did the crusaders ever think of that? Or did they really just think about what is the best for Christendom? And that's what you have to think about. You have to pray on that. You have to think about that. And you have to think about, like I said, the the 2,000 years of persecution that we as Catholics have gone through. It's not going to end tomorrow. Yep. It's always going to be there in some way, shape, or form because we live in a liberal society that Mm -hmm. wants to end the church and this is basically their dream come true and if you let them have it you're responsible you're right to the extent that you comply with these people you uh, it is on your shoulders we cannot comply with tyranny with communism with a freemasonic mindset thank you so much for joining me pat i really appreciate it pat and tony alberto in texas Brother Martin, uh, and everyone else who called in. It was a real pleasure having you on. I just want to close with this quick video. I've shown it to you before. It's a standalone video, actually, on this very live stream, on this very playlist. But this is what we must do. This is what we must be prepared to do, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is. Thank you.